0: So I didn't mean that to be so forceful and no, scary. No, no, no. But no. like, it's, it's cool. It's just cooking. We're
1: having fun. You're gonna have to figure out what you're gonna owe to be a fully realized and actualized human.
0: Hey there, listeners, future callers, and cooking enthusiasts. This is Dinner SOS, the show where we help you save dinner or whatever you're cooking. Welcome to our Thanksgiving episode. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious. Now, our show promises that no problem is too big or too small, and today's episode is no exception. This SOS is somehow both too big and too small. So before we get into it, I want to remind you that this is just our first Thanksgiving episode. Next week, we'll have another Turkey Day episode coming out full of listener questions about Thanksgiving problems all sizes. When our caller John got married a few years ago, his mother-in-law gifted him and his wife the family's good china.
2: And they're they're just like begging to have a party, to have an occasion, right? Like gravy boat. Gravy boat. Included yep. kind of sets, mm-hmm. right? Like
0: bowls inside of plates inside of bowls, but they're all somehow improbably exactly. attached. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And the only problem is my mother-in-law hosts all the dinners. So uh, there's no occasion for me to use these plates.
0: But John wasn't going to take this lying down. So he and his wife hatched a scheme. And last year, they got to host the big one.
2: I just really want Thanksgiving. Yeah. I love Thanksgiving.
0: You've made space in your life and in your cabinets for these friggin' dishes. (laughs) Like, you get a holiday too. That's part of the deal.
2: I'm glad we're on the same page. So last year, we decided if we're going to get Thanksgiving, it needs to be absolutely perfect because if it's not, we're never getting it back. And it was absolutely perfect, 100%. The only complaint that I had the whole night was we had hot apple cider outside by the fire before we came in to eat. And my mother-in-law asked if I could change the direction of the wind. (laughs) because of the smoke. <laughs> that was the only complaint.
0: But like, she was serious.
2: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> hey, yeah. John, yeah, yeah, yeah. we've yeah. got
0: a problem out here. The wind's blowing in the wrong direction.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So we had turkey three ways. We had dark meat confit. We had a uh, stuffed breast. And then I did the whole big magazine cover picture bird just to have in pictures, even though nobody really wants it, right? We made all the sides. I've learned how to use a laser engraver. Hold
0: on. What are you engraving?
2: I made coasters for everyone. as like a a place setting. Like out of
0: wood? Yeah. yeah. Or did you smelt them while you were changing the the direction of the wind into your (laughs) bellows with your friggin' (laughs) smithy, John, you've got it all figured out. Like, why are you calling us? We should be calling you.
2: Because I got it back this year, which I did not expect. And I got to make it perfecter. And Chris... 2019, you guys made Making Perfect, (sighs) which is one of the, like, biggest inspirations for me. Uh I need you.
0: (sighs) Okay. All right. (laughs) Didn't quite have me at hello, but I'm listening.
2: (laughs) So, I'll take whatever you've got, because I've got a menu kind of, like, roughly in Mm mind, but... Whatever it is, I've just got to, like, take it from, like, 10 to 11. Right now, I'm looking at a spreadsheet from last year called Timetable to Turkey. I've got my menu from last year. Um,
0: (laughs) Oh, I love this. I love this. So,
2: I've got a couple of constants. The turkey thigh confit was an absolute hit. That's not changing. Whose
0: recipe was that? I'm I'm genuinely asking.
2: Yep. Uh, Martha Stewart's duck confit that I adapted with... Schmaltz to make turkey confit. Okay.
0: So you've got some constants, and it sounds like turkey confit you're feeling very strong on. So
2: that's there. Yeah. The pies. So we've got family that comes from Ohio. They don't really have access to a kitchen or anything like that, but they've got access to great pies out in Ohio. Mm-hmm. So d- desserts taken care of, that's coming with them. And then the only other constant is my father in law makes sweet potatoes with the marshmallows on top. Yep. That's coming from him, and that. That can't change. Okay. Everything else, whether it's the world's best cranberry sauce or different way to do white meat, I was thinking about trying to deep fry just the drums and the wings. Mm. Don't laugh at me. I bought a turkey a few weeks ago, and I made my first turkey already. Oh. <laughs> Took off the breast and smoked it, and it was delicious, but it's not. it wasn't Thanksgiving. Mm. It wasn't good enough.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So— you're looking for a whole turkey or some part of a turkey solution that would involve white meat. Not exclusively, but just this is one of potentially several opportunities for us to kind of jump in on.
2: If you came back and said, John, the flower arrangements, the thing that's going to put it over the top, I'd be with you. But if it's the white meat, kind of, I'm not very creative with the white meat.
0: Yeah. So I got to be honest, like when you said the pies were covered, I got bummed. I was like, this is your way in like you can you can impress people with great turkey no doubt when it comes to dessert though i feel like that is where you can do things that are like really almost like over the top and people are like ready for it People will accept new ideas, like, you know, when they're coupled with, like, dessert, I think, in ways that when it comes to savory food, especially at a holiday like Thanksgiving, in some families can be divisive. But, you know, pies, that's like an area where you can bring some new ideas in, you know, sometimes. But that said, like, if pies are off the table, I get it and we're going to move on and it's not going to be a big deal.
2: I think, you know, I'm going to I'm going to keep my mind open to it in the same way that you pitch someone chocolate chip cookies instead of chicken. But uh, I'm going to keep my mind open to it. I am a little bit scared and I'll tell you why. Last year, Thanksgiving Eve, the house was perfectly cleaned. The table was set in advance. Everything was all set to go. And I decided to play with dessert. I was going to make pumpkin spice whipped cream. And so I, I loaded up like a whipped cream maker with the nitrous oxide to like test it out and just see would it work and i don't know what happened i didn't let enough of the pressure
0: oh oh dear
2: and i opened the canister and it exploded and there's actually video on our like home security thing (laughs) of my wife just oblivious (laughs) covered in whipped cream she just keeps setting the table as there's whipped cream just like flying um So um, there's a part of me that might have a little bit of uh, anxiety about the dessert for that reason, but I'm going to keep an open (laughs) mind to it.
0: Wow. Okay. Thank you for staying open. So I think what's cool with your question is like, you're not looking for necessarily just like an off the peg solution. I mean, part of this is going to come down to us sparking your imagination and your curiosity Mm. and you being the one to decide, hey, I know how to make whatever, pearl onions, you know, in like bechamel. What I've never made before is like X, you know, and, and maybe we give you the blueprint for that, but maybe, you know, in a couple cases, you kind of have to do that work yourself. So anyway, a lot of different wonderful possibilities here. And I'm super fired up for this because I think what you're doing is amazing. I refused the China, so that's, Is that right? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I said no. I don't have room for it in my life. I don't want it. It like tinkle, tinkle, tinkles every time you walk by a cabinet that contains it. You know, you're basically spending your entire life trying not to break it. You can't put it in the uh-huh. microwave because it's basically got metal in it. So it just starts like sparking weird friggin Jedi lightning in there you know, when you're least expecting it, and you're just trying to reheat a potato. It's just like, I, I said no, but you said yes. And I think <laughs> that's the difference here. And you have embarked on a-, a more challenging path, but maybe ultimately one that's gonna be more rewarding.
2: If we do things right this year, people are gonna be weeping at the end of the meal. <laughs> like, it's gonna be just so good, Yes, they're gonna be overcome with emotion.
1: I don't know if I would call this an emergency. He's basically saying, last year, I hosted the perfect Thanksgiving. Yes. And now I am a victim of my own perfection. And I would say go back in time and mess up something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that you can have something to improve on this year.
0: Contributing editor Emil Stanek is known for his adventurous culinary suggestions. But that's not going to solve John's problem. In fact, John's problem is all too familiar to the way Thanksgiving can feel to us as food writers.
1: Which is like, what do we do? You know, we've already done Thanksgiving. And we all have our, you know, even if you think that one issue from X number of years ago was the perfect thing, you still have to do it again and you have to do it yeah. different. I mean, totally. the one thing that I would say is like, that still is, I think, a valid proposition is like, if he managed to impress this apparently very difficult to impress mother in law, there's a part of me that's inclined to say, like, don't touch a thing. Mm. I mean, the more I think about John's predicament. I do think that what he needs is an edit, you know? Yes, exactly. I think that he just hearing him say that he did Turkey three ways. I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and say that is at least one, too many ways to do Turkey. Yes. And when you trim things out, you actually are leaving room for certain things to shine a little bit brighter, you know?
0: I am so glad that was your takeaway because that's exactly why I thought you would be perfect for this. Like, Emil Stanek, editor, you know? Let's talk to him and let's, like, kind of narrow down the plan. And maybe we slip in a few, you know, bits of inspiration along the way.
1: I think that sounds like a good plan.
0: We're going to take a quick break. When we're back, John gets the edit we hope will make his Thanksgiving more perfect. Hi, listeners. It's Chris. On Dinner SOS, we offer you cooking advice to make your week a little less stressful. So I want to share another podcast with you that has helped me decompress from the stress of everyday life. It's called Meditative Story, and in each episode, you'll hear a different storyteller share a moment in their life where everything changed for them. I just listened to the episode with fellow chef Carla Hall. She shares an incredible, heartfelt story about the power of play and how she fell in love with cooking from watching her grandmother in her kitchen. My favorite part is that the story is scored with breathtaking original music and interspersed with mindfulness prompts you can engage with wherever you may be listening. So take a moment to find Meditative Story in your podcast app and follow the show. John, welcome back.
2: It's good to be back.
0: I chatted with Emil yesterday, and we talked through your problem and like big air quotes on that one, because what we decided you really need here is a great editor and that is why emil's here because you've got plans you've got visions okay but like emil is the one who actually knows how to make the sausage but not just like make the sausage like turn the sausage into a compelling main dish that also manages to make sausage look good in a
1: photograph
0: which is not easy sausage is tough
1: It is, it's not easy to make sausage look good, yeah.
0: Yeah, so John, what is your dream menu here? And how can we help you by paring it down and maybe inserting, you know, some of our own favorite dishes, like including some stuff maybe from this year, which you wouldn't have seen yet necessarily.
2: Okay, so the the dream menu, that's tough. Um, There's the confit turkey thighs, that's happening. Something with the white meat. Actually, uh, right in front of me, I've got, Bon appetit, porchetta style turkey breast. This is from like my my notes from years past. Um, So it could be that, but I'm not thinking of doing a whole bird this year. I'd rather do it in parts and and pieces. My mashed potatoes, oftentimes I'll take a fork or a piping bag or something and do something decorative on the top and kind of crisp them up before they hit the table. My
0: God, get out of
2: town. So
0: Stuffing, what's your go-to?
2: I'm all over the place. I've got a little bit of nostalgic feeling about a bag of Pepperidge Farm Mm. with chopped up celery and onion in it, but that really doesn't match the occasion. I don't know. I guess the nostalgia is there though. Green beans are always there. Uh, Usually we've got some sort of Parker house roll or something like that. Gravy, of course, and then for desserts, like I, I said before, we've got family coming
0: in from Ohio that bring in pies. So, Emil, what's this doing for you?
1: Well, first of all, John, you know, you nailed it last year, and now you've got to figure out how to one-up it. And what I would say, considering the position that you're in, is you're ready to make your transition from trying really hard and doing the absolute most to your era of quiet confidence. You need to be in, oh, this old thing mode. Rather than like, can you believe this crazy new recipe that I tried? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. It's like you need to be the Parisian woman just throwing the the scarf over your shoulder. You know, (laughs) like that (laughs) is, that's where you're at now. And so I feel like thinking about this menu and how, you know, you want to keep Thanksgiving at your house forever, presumably. Yes. So I think at this point, it's a matter of, you know, I think Thanksgiving is a beautiful holiday, right? Because there's so many things on the table that there's always wiggle room. There's always the opportunity to kind of try new things, kind of get new dishes in the mix. But I feel like what you need to do at this point is nail the things that are working Mm -hmm. and then kind of approach those with that kind of monkish sort of eye for perfection, that kind of only you're going to see, Yeah, you know, like thinking about the, so it sounds like confit turkey legs were a hit last year. For sure. And if that's something that you feel like that is something that you would be happy to see every year from now on, on your Thanksgiving table, now it's just a question of like, you know, if that turned out perfectly this year, is there anything that you could do to that that would be just a slight tweak that would make it, if not better, feel more like yours? Okay. Okay. Right. You know, like in my family, often we do like one whole spatchcock turkey. And then we often do like a secondary protein, something that's not turkey at all, whether that's like a rib roast or sometimes we'll do steaks or a side of salmon or something like that. I think having two options is great. And in your case, having like a confit leg situation and then some kind of I mean, I, I like where your head's at, actually, with that turquetta. Uh that's the rolled and stuffed one that's a throwback but that's a good one Mm -hmm. i feel. i mean personally i'm a i'm a real turkey breast guy that's like when i'm cooking a whole bird i'm like laser focused on nailing the breast Mm -hmm. i have had years where i like pulled the turkey and the breast was perfect and i'm cutting it off and it's great and like the legs are like not quite done that you can throw back in the oven you can't there's nothing you could do to rescue the overcooked breast right right um So I feel like if you've got the confit turkey legs on lock, you know, is there one little twist or or tweak that's going to make it feel like these are John's confit turkey legs? And then this year, your mission is the breast. How can you just devote that energy to those two? Right,
2: right. I I think that sounds right to me.
0: The one thing I will say, John, a recipe that I wanted to plug, because I do think, like, okay, listen, if you want to resort to, you know, porchetta-level theatrics with turkey, like, I'm not going to stop you, Emil's not going to stop you, it sounds friggin' dynamite, but... The expertly spiced and glazed roast turkey that did feature in Making Perfect, the thing that I think made that turkey win was showcasing the value of breaking down the turkey before you cook it. Because there's a certain way in which by rendering a very three-dimensional turkey into more of a two-dimensional turkey, a la, you know, your kind of spatchcocking method, Emil. I think, you know, seasonings are able to penetrate areas that they normally have a hard time and heat can access areas that it normally has a, a, a more difficult time. And you get a sensation of tactile crispiness and seasoning that is just like a click or two beyond what you ever get with a turkey that is cooked whole. I maintain. So it's just one to consider in terms of, you know, your your whole turkey moment can very easily become a more kind of like luxe transformative turkey moment as seen through that recipe.
1: I think there's also a version, Chris, where, you know, he does the confit legs. Oh, yeah. And then does... That turkey. That broken down. Oh, for sure. Because then you're getting the breasts. Yep. You know, and because they're, you know, detached from the legs and totally disentangled from that whole business... You can pull those when they're perfect. Yep. And then, you know, sure, you're going to have a lot of leg meat, you know, but that's not the worst thing in the world. Show them
0: some leg this year. I love that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Besides, if you're going to make like turquetta, like make a porchetta. John, you strike me as the kind of person who's probably like, you know, messed around with some sous vide in the past. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. So here we go. Like I'm saying like you could handle like a sous vide and then like flash roasted like porchetta just for fun at Thanksgiving like what a uh, part of a meal's point and like we've been evangelists for like a great ham like make a turkey but then make a ham because like that's another very kind of like dynamic protein that you can use in all kinds of ways like throughout the multitude of days that is like actual Thanksgiving like right, sure right. it's one meal but like you kind of need some equity for the other days
2: I hate to say it but like a a, a ham and turkey sandwich the next day that sounds amazing sure.
1: Oh, oh, fantastic. And, and, you know, I I guess this is kind of coming back to that kind of notion of editing. It's like this year, let's figure out what's the thing that's always going to be there. Is it that at your house, we always do turkey differently, but we always make this porchetta recipe. It's like narrowing the variables, figuring out where there's always going to be wiggle room and what is the iconic John Thanksgiving looking like. Yeah, yeah that sounds right. Should we talk about some of the sides?
0: Yeah, 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 totally. I wanted to touch on stuffing because I do think like the simple is best dressing. The reason why it's like an icon in my mind and I think part of how it's shown its value over time, like within our recipe archive is it was one of the first dressings that I was really aware of where it was kind of breaking free of that paradigm of more of like the stuffing mix. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, but that flavor profile, like the dried herbs, that kind of like bouillon cube level Seasoning is really like driving the boat with stuffings that use it, whereas the simple is best. It just showcases like the primacy of like butter, tons of aromatics, and then hand torn dried out bread—not stale bread, dried out bread. Which you know, something happens when bread goes properly stale. The the flavor to me just tanks. You know, but intentionally drying it out and then dressing it with just enough egg and broth, especially if you're going to go through the trouble, as I'm sure you are, John. of making your own turkey stock.
2: I've already made it. It's in the fridge. Yeah.
0: See, see, this is what I'm talking about.
1: Man after my own heart. <laughs> oh,
0: um, That is really amazing because it's like there's this looseness and for something that has nearly two sticks of butter in it, it manages to still be yeah. light. Yeah, yeah and really showcase the value of like tons of fresh herbs in these kind of like heavier preparations. Um, So that's one to look at.
1: I'm also a big fan of the simplest best stuffing. I actually wrote about this in this month's issue, but I feel like as somebody who was very much in the place that you're in where I'm seeking, you know, I'm looking for recipes that are going to like feel like they're exciting or have a certain kind of like flair or panache. You know, I used to feel that way with stuffing. It's like, I want oysters in it. I want pumpernickel bread and smoked fish. I want to go like really. He's not exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. (laughs) And at a certain point, my mom was like, can we have like more normal (laughs) stuffing this year? And, and I was like, fine, mom, I'll make two stuffings. And I made the simplest best stuffing. And I was like, this is fantastic. It's just, you know, good broth. And I feel like it is more than the sum of its parts, but the. Parts are really important. Like Chris is saying, if you're using really good homemade turkey stock, it's going to taste so much better than it would if you were like, ah, maybe I'll just use some box Mm. stock. You know, it's it rewards a certain commitment, which just shows how good a simple thing can be. And I think the other thing with simple is best is the bread, you know? That's the other variable where you kind of get to choose your own adventure, you know? You can go with just some like, you know, grocery store, really cottony Italian bread. But I think if you find something that's got the the right balance of, you know, what is fundamentally kind of a simple white flour bread, but maybe has just a little bit more to offer, Mm. that can really take that to the next level. Deep,
0: deep levels of Maillard reactions, like you're able to really capture, you know, additional levels of nuance of flavor, like if you have like a really nice kind of compelling bread to work with.
2: That sounds amazing. I can see it making
0: its way onto the menu. Now, tell me more about your Parker House roll recipe.
2: Oh, this is controversial. My wife is normally the baker in the family, and she's insisted that there won't be rolls because there's already stuffing. And I've indicated that that's (laughs) (laughs) un-American. So I told her, like, I'm going to have to learn how to bake bread. Like, there's going to be rolls.
1: So she's not willing. She's not. She is boycotting. And that's leaving you in the position as the non-baker in the family to try to make this happen.
2: I feel like I might be able to persuade her, but...
0: What if you blamed us?
2: I would love to do that. She's such a good baker. We're swimming in the
1: best sourdough. I mean, it should be her, not me. Champagne problems. Yeah. Is there a way to, no, I, I'm not going to, let's let's not go down how to trick your wife into making <laughs> the, the bread territory. I, uh, we'll, we'll figure something else out. I mean,
0: maybe we need to just leave that one alone.
1: I do think that looking at your lineup, everything is very homemade. And I think that that's great. Can there be one thing that is store-bought, you know? but it's really good. And maybe you do buy a a couple of packs of like Hawaiian sweet rolls. I was going to say like
2: King's Hawaiian rolls, we have them on hand for leftovers.
1: Yep. But they they could be on the table, yeah. So here's the thought, buy some King's Hawaiian. You know, you got to heat them up because the hot rolls, that's the thing that takes the store boughtedness out of the rolls. It's just that extra step. Just like pop them in the oven to warm up so they're like, you crack one open, it's just like steam is billowing out. If you really want to go take it like one other click, is make some garlic butter and just brush those on top of the sweet rolls before they go into the oven. You could maybe th- put a little bit of parsley or something in that just so that they come out and like suddenly they're smelling so buttery and so garlicky. And I feel like that's the kind of thing, that's your scarf over the shoulder. You're like, oh, these? No, no, these are just King's Hawaiian rolls. So just put a little garlic butter on them. Aren't I love that. And the other thing I was going to say, and this is, this is not not tricking your (laughs) wife into making rolls but (laughs) if you do some you do your shopping in advance you've got the hawaiian sweet Uh rolls you know they're on the counter and she could be like what are these for and you're like oh well i just i you weren't gonna make rolls so i figured i would just you know i'm no baker so i'm just gonna heat these up you know maybe put a little that's brilliant see what Either it's a win win. Either you get some really good homemade sourdough rolls or you have some really good hot King's Hawaiian.
0: Yeah, I was going to say one other plug for a recipe from this November issue it's buttery milk buns. And they're from Kendra Vaculin. And she kind of did a hybrid of a Parker House roll and a milk bread, you know, style like bun. And just, they incorporate a tangzong, you know, just as a a cooked starch base that allows for, like, higher hydration, just so pillowy, tall, fluffy, and if you know, I don't know what this is going to do to your marriage, but like it's a it's a great recipe. We're not dispensing marital advice here. We're just dispensing recipe advice. So like you do with it what you want. But it's a fun one to consider because I do think like there are rolls that you just need because you need them in bulk because you've got a lot of people making a lot of sandwiches and maybe you don't necessarily want to turn your kitchen into like a roll factory for, you know, an afternoon. But as a way of like getting like 24 like perfect buns to slather some additional butter on like for the thanksgiving table itself. I think it's a great great choice. But you got to do the king's move regardless.
2: I I agree. That sounds really good.
0: So we're not going to talk about pies. Cuz listen like, you know, even if like we're going to end up derailing your marriage with the rolls and everything, I don't need you getting cut off from the rest of the family. Oh. So we're going to leave pies alone. Sounds good. Sounds but good. if you were to do a pie, yeah. Shilpa's actually perfect pie crust which incorporates some cream cheese. It's like true level of flakiness and ease of preparation. If you can break yourself from the psychological shackles of believing that pie crust should only have lard and or shortening and or butter and allow yourself the ability to consider cream cheese as a worthwhile addition, it's really nice. It performs super well. And we incorporated that into a couple of our pie recipes for this issue as well. All right. But that's like, we're not even having that
1: conversation. Chris, I feel like you are basically just forcing this man to make pies, The thing that he wasn't he going to do. He better not do
0: everything. I No, he's got to make like, hey, we're, we're editing and he's got to edit yeah. too. This is like, John, the work is now on you. You've got to be an editor as well. This is the work, John, making choices. Okay. All right. John agreed to do a pre-Thanksgiving run-through of some of our suggestions, so Emil and I sent John the recipes. And we waited to see if our edit paid off. After another short break, how John executed a more focused and intentional Thanksgiving menu. Here at Dinner SOS, we love tackling your kitchen issues. But what if I told you there's a way to rescue dinner before it turns into an emergency? With expert insights from the Test Kitchen, cooking and entertaining tips, and a treasury of over 50,000 recipes, Bon Appetit and Epicurious are your lifelines to rescue any meal. And right now, our listeners can get 20% off an annual digital subscription including access to the user-friendly Epicurious app. Just use code SOS20 at bonappetit.com. That's sos 20 for a 20% discount on an annual digital subscription to Bon Appetit and Epicurious. Happy cooking. And don't worry, I'll still be here if your dinner plan self-destructs. Welcome back to our Thanksgiving episode of Dinner SOS. Like the prepared cook he is, John agreed to test out some recipes in advance of Thanksgiving, and not just a week or so in advance. John did his test run a month before the big day. John, I'm curious. Like, it sounds like you did a dry run. Did you? Hopefully, it wasn't dry. Yeah, a very not dry, (laughs) very like moist run. I understand there is some tape of you in your deliberations. Is is that something we can roll?
2: I'm getting ready to do a practice run of Thanksgiving dinner. I'm going to be making the uh, turkey and the stuffing. And I think my wife might try the dinner rolls. Feeling pretty good about it. The turkey has me a little bit nervous because it's hard to find a turkey outside of November. And the one that I've got is not the turkey that I would normally purchase.
0: So, John, what did that mean? The turkey was not the turkey that you would normally purchase.
2: So it turns out that outside of November, it's, it's not super easy to find a turkey. Yeah. So, <laughs> the one that I got... Was like a standard Genio turkey, and I, I was really surprised. It, it, it wound up being really good. It stayed moist, and the one thing about it, it didn't have a weight on it, so I had to get on mm-hmm. my my bedroom scale.
1: Do the old luggage test? Yeah.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: That is so funny. We used to have an analog scale in the test kitchen. Big beast of a thing that could go up to 50 pounds. We used it only for turkeys. It was basically <laughs> no other time of year that we would use this thing. That that is, that is fun. You got on like the regular old bathroom scale holding
1: it. John, which recipe did you end up?
2: Uh, the, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the name, even though I've looked at it a hundred times.
0: Was it the expertly spiced and glazed roast turkey?
1: That's it. Yep. Is this parted out and cooked pieces separately? That's correct. Yep. So, yeah okay. that
2: I can break down a chicken w- with my eyes closed. I wouldn't, but I could. You know, I just like um, I feel really comfortable doing that. Turkey, just it's so much bigger that it was actually kind of
1: a challenge to to break it down. But I did. I got it especially when you're getting into that like 19 pound territory. It's like, it's, I've, you know, John, I'll tell you what, every year, you know, normally my, my dad ends up procuring the bird and then I, or my wife ends up cooking it. And every time I'm like, get like a 15, 16 pound bird and without fail, he's like, you know, they, they had the 15, 16 pound ones, but I got a 19 pound one instead, or I got a 23 pound one instead. Cause he's just like, it's bigger. So it's better. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) Then I have to get out like a hatchet or something, (laughs) to spash bucket. And that's always a little bit of a messy endeavor.
0: Growing up, it was like a point of pride, like, uh got a 23 pound. Forget about it. You know, just like like, kind of like fired up about it. Like you got the biggest turkey they had. You're like, no, no, no. Were you trying to do my dad's
1: accent? No, no,
0: no. I wasn't doing your dad's accent. (laughs) I was doing like my uncle's, like Jimmy from Goodfellas, like, Uh, you know, uh 23 pound. Forget about it. You know, just like the whole
1: like, eh.
2: like with with a hatchet. Are you like out in the backyard with a tree stump and a corncob pipe? Like, how are you doing that? (laughs)
1: You know, John, that would probably be pretty sensible. My parents' backyard doesn't have any stumps in it, unfortunately. So I am like fully at the granite countertop, and you know, my mom is like looking back in terror as like turkey juices like splatter everywhere. But it's yeah, it's it's it's, it's messy business. <laughs>
0: so john i'm curious what was your experience like in terms of what the bird looked like ate like did you feel like the effort was worth it
2: oh absolutely because i got a turkey that was so so huge i couldn't fit the whole thing on one cookie sheet there was like Uh, no way that it was going to all fit on there fair but it cooked so fast i feel like Part of the whole vibe of Thanksgiving normally is like you you wake up at the crack of dawn and start cooking this turkey for like 12 hours. And to be honest, I think the stuffing was in the oven longer than the <sighs> turkey was. It, <laughs> That's funny. It, yeah. So that was kind of cool just thinking about that prized real estate of the oven that you could get the turkey in and out so quickly.
0: Now, this is definitely not me leading the witness here but did you feel like there was a difference in terms of the level of browning and the level of rendering of fat and just kind of overall kind of like crispiness you're able to achieve by doing this technique it's Ooh. okay if the answer is no
1: but yeah, not leading the witness at all I mean I'm just
0: suggesting the Browning
2: I gotta say the recipe cheats a little bit because there's paprika in there so it's it's gonna look perfect no oh. matter what
0: that's that's not I <laughs> mean <cheating. laughs> it's Cheating is like a food stylist coming along with a blowtorch, okay? Blasting it with like kitchen bouquet and soy sauce and then torching it, okay? Cheating. Honestly, this freaking guy, Emil. He would like look at like what we do in service to like, you know, actual recipe development and probably like be horrified. He's a purist. He's a purist. That's what I like about John.
2: (laughs) No, I mean, it it, it came out really well. The skin was very crispy. Uh, Couldn't have been better.
0: Okay. Well, speaking of the stuffing, John, which you mentioned, you know, you, your perception that it was in the oven even longer than the turkey was, How? what was your experience like with it?
2: The, I mean, that that could not have been easier to make. Boy, oh boy, was that crunchy all the way around, like just crispy. And then on the inside, custardy. The bottom, I cooked it in a glass Pyrex dish and pulling it out, my wife and I looked at it and we we're like, oh my God, the, the, the bottom is black, just 100% burnt, but that bottom wound up being so delicious. It didn't taste burnt at all. It was like caramel, and my wife and I were like fighting over it, like the tadiagan rice. You know, it was like <laughs> the highlight. Yeah.
1: I feel like sometimes you have to have that experience, John, where you're like, think you've burnt something to realize, like, actually how far you can push browning in some instances. And now that you've done this test run, you can push that stuffing a little bit further and go beyond kind of a golden brown bottom and, you know, knowing how good that's going to be.
0: So did your wife end up making the buns?
1: Not
2: only did she make them, we're still married. Um,
1: (laughs) fantastic.
2: I mean, she really didn't want to. And then she saw the recipe and she was like, oh, wait, that looks really good. So it was it was totally her choice in the end. I didn't twist her arm. And they're definitely going to be on our Thanksgiving table. I mean, they they were so, so good. They're absolutely light and pillowy. They're not heavy in any way, so it doesn't feel like you're, like, slogging through this, like, mass of, of bread. Mm-hmm. I can absolutely imagine them for turkey sliders the day after.
0: Yeah. So I'm really curious to know, is everything going to make it through to th- thanksgiving proper or like are you gonna kind of nip and tuck here a little bit
2: all three of these are going to wind up on the table the turkey i think i'm going to use this preparation just for the white meat and save back the dark meat to do that confitting okay the rolls are coming on the stuffing's coming on and yeah i I feel like we're a quarter of the way through the menu i mean we (laughs) you guys have have really helped me out
1: (laughs) Well, I feel a little bad that we're, we only managed to help you with a quarter of the menu, but you know, I, I, it's a big meal.
2: It's a big meal. I mean, a quarter is is quite a lot, actually.
1: And
0: like, are, are you are you tempted at all to mess with dessert, or you just feel like that you're going to be out of the family if you if you start messing with
1: some pie? Oh, I can't, I can't do it. I can't. Okay. It. See, Chris, this is boundary setting. Yes. This is good. No, I'm it's... really proud, John. I'm really proud of you for for you know, you're finding your lane, you're staying in it, and I feel like that is you know, that's how you make things. Thanksgiving years.
0: Yeah, I I love that, like, we edited you and and now you're editing us and and the circle (laughs) is complete. (laughs) To really complete the circle, be sure to check out our episode on November 28th when we'll hear from John and many of our other callers about how Thanksgiving went. If you have a dinner emergency on your hands, write to us at dinnersos at bonappetit.com or leave us a voice message at 212-286-SOS1. That's 212-286-7071. We'd love to feature your question on the show. You can find the recipes mentioned on today's episode, expertly spiced and glazed roast turkey, simple is best stuffing, buttery milk buns, actually perfect pie crust, and porchetta-style roast turkey breast, a.k.a. the turquetta on the Epicurious app brought to you by Condé Nast. Just search Epicurious in the App Store and download today. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice and hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening to Dinner SOS. I'm your host, Chris Morocco. My co-host this week is Emil Stanek. Our producer is Michelle O'Brien. Jordan Bell is our executive producer. Peyton Hayes is our associate producer. Cameron Foose is our assistant producer. Jake Limis is our studio engineer. Amar Lal makes this episode. Next time on Dinner SOS, it's our live call in show. Jesse Chefchek, Maggie Hoffman, Kate Casson, and I spent an afternoon in the studio helping listeners like you solve some Thanksgiving SOSs. Like sausage, very challenging from, you know, the ground level all the way through to the, the ground level. Oh, my God.
2: I picked up on it. Okay, I, I, cool. I, yeah. Just making sure. Um, <laughs> <New we're, Prince. laughs> I, ma- I made that link. <laughs> oh, God, John.
0: <laughs> Hi, listeners. It's Chris. On Dinner SOS, we offer you cooking advice to make your week a little less stressful. So I want to share another podcast with you that has helped me decompress from the stress of everyday life. It's called Meditative Story, and in each episode, you'll hear a different storyteller share a moment in their life where everything changed for them. I just listened to the episode with fellow chef Carla Hall. She shares an incredible, heartfelt story about the power of play and how she fell in love with cooking from watching her grandmother in her kitchen. My favorite part is that the story is scored with breathtaking original music and interspersed with mindfulness prompts you can engage with wherever you may be listening. So, take a moment to find Meditative Story in your podcast app and follow the show.